Well, good morning. So good to see you all here today. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And uh, I tell you, start looking now. Would you look for a pen and, and uh, something to write on? A little bit of a, uh, or you got a little bit of space. I want, to, I want to have you do some things here in just a little bit. About a year ago, I did a little, uh, it was a fairly in-depth little survey of, uh, across our congregation uh, related to a project I'm doing uh, in my seminary um, research. And I wanted to get a feel for where we as a congregation were at when it comes to engaging uh, the world, engaging unbelievers, uh, folks who don't follow Christ, where we're at with engaging unbelievers with the gospel. And uh, there were several really good things that I learned uh, from that, and it helped me to gauge where we are as a congregation. One of the things I found was that a majority of our folks that responded to the survey, they, you, we, understand the need for sharing the gospel with people, understand that responsibility. Um, but, but we don't feel very confident in our ability so we, we recognize a re responsibility, but don't feel confident in our ability to share the gospel. And, um, and there's a lot I could say about that, but it was really helpful for me thinking through uh, things that we could address in the church to help with that. Also, uh, several respondents, and this one maybe uh, caught me a little bit off guard, not, not that I should be shocked, but just uh, it, I had not thought about it. Many respondents uh, said they felt like they just didn't understand or weren't real clear about how the gospel intersects with everyday normal life. So it seems like something that's maybe over here in church on Sunday morning, but when it comes to just the ebb and flow of life, not real clear about how the gospel applies to everyday life. So that was very helpful for me. Uh, then just a few weeks ago, I showed you a little short video uh, to introduce a gospel conversation tool that provides a simple and a visible, and I would say a, just a real conversational, normal way of bringing the gospel to bear in everyday conversations. And that little tool is called the three circles. And so I'm going to have them go ahead and put up a, a little slideshow. And before we get into the sermon in Matthew 5, which is really going to be a teaching to support what you see here, uh, I want to go over this and I want to ask you to copy it down Again, I know if you already did it, uh, that's great. Um, some of you don't, don't actually write anything. You only know how to write with your thumbs or at home row, right? So, so there is something to, I'm going to tell you, there's something to learning when you write something down in your own hand. And, and let me just say this. What we're going to do today is, is aimed at trying to address some of the needs that you identified, namely not feeling confident in how to share the gospel, and not real confident about, about how the gospel applies to everyday life. So that's what we want to address here. So I don't see a lot of you getting a pen. So, so if the person next to you doesn't have a pen and paper, punch them in the arm. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Poke them in the arm. Say something to them. Say, here you go. Now, now if you are just dead set, you are not going to write anything down. I just don't know about you. But uh, if you're not going to do it, let me say this. There is an app that you can get for your phone the three circles, all right? So if you're one of those, <laughs> you can get the app, but I'm going to tell you, you're, you're going to gain something by writing this down in your own hand and not just sitting there passively and letting me do it 
or letting the slide do it. So I want to rip through this pretty quick. I'm going to give it to you, and then we're going to come back to it and go over and talk about and explain. And I think even let Jesus show us in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, what some of this means, okay? So first slide. This is three circles. Next slide. Okay. Uh, no, not that one. Back, back, back. First, back. There you go. First circle. God's design. God's design. So we're going to start with God's design. So just write you a little circle there, draw it out, and put God's design. You know, God has a design for everything. He's the creator. And in his infinite wisdom, he knew exactly how to do things. And he has a design way on down to the most intricate things, to the smallest things, things that we don't even care about. God's design is clear throughout creation in the way that we're formed, in the way that ecosystems and environments and um, animals and insects work together. We see evidence of God's design. All right, next slide or next piece is, but something broke in to God's creation and it's called sin. It's called sin. It's deviating from God's design. It's going a different way, not according to God's pattern. The Bible calls that sin. That's one word for it. All right, next piece is this next little circle. Here's your second circle. Sin, when it came into the world and into God's perfect creation, it brought brokenness. So the second circle is brokenness. Brokenness. And when brokenness comes, it brings pain and hardship and confusion. And it elicits a response from us. We, we, we feel that pressure. We feel that pain. And these little squiggly lines, I don't guess you have to do four of them, but they've got four of them there. These squiggly little lines shooting off from brokenness represent what we try to do to alleviate the pain and the brokenness. It's, it's our fix. Well, Okay, so, so there's relational brokenness. So let me just go ahead and exit that and try to alleviate that pain in some way. And so it's, it's shooting off trying to fix the brokenness, to heal things on our own. Okay, next slide. It's the third circle. But God has done something to alleviate that brokenness. And the message of what he has done is called the gospel. Or good news. Gospel just means the good news of Jesus. It's what God has done. And so the next little piece, so you've got the gospel there is third circle. The next little piece, next slide, <clears throat> is we have to respond to the gospel. There's something that we have to do. So instead of going our own way, we turn the word repent and believe. That's what goes there on that little arrow. Repent and believe. Repent means to turn. So, so we turn from doing things our own way, the squiggly lines, and we say, well, God, what has God done? Let me turn back to God. Let me repent. And then believe or have faith specifically in what Jesus has done. At the center of the gospel really is a cross. It's Jesus has come down and he died for our sins. And then there's an arrow back up that he was raised from the dead. And the way of salvation is not works, but it's by God's grace through faith. So let's repent and believe. We turn to God. We turn to the gospel. We turn to Jesus. And we trust him. We put our faith and our belief back in the God that we had formerly sinned against and rebelled against. And then the last piece is, once we believe we become a Christian, we come to Christ 
we are free and we are given the Holy Spirit and we are given direction to recover and pursue God's design. So recover and pursue God's design. So that's the three circles. That's a way that you can visibly, so, so if you learn this, and, and listen, this is one way of many, but, but this is a way that you can share with people really the big story of the Bible. The big story of all of our lives and what God is doing. All right. So now I want us to go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to come back to these pieces as we go along. I want us to go to Matthew chapter 5. And this is just one uh, scripture that we could go to. It doesn't show everything, but I think it shows this pattern. I think we can learn some things about fleshing out the gospel from Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 12. This is the Beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew and Jesus' longest sermon, I believe, there in, in Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. So let's read those verses together and we'll think about some of the key points. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The first thing I want to point out, and this goes along with the first slide, so we're going to go back to our slide set to the God's design slide. The first thing I want us to see specifically in the words of Jesus here is that Jesus declares God's intention of blessedness. Jesus declares God's intention of blessing or blessedness from the God, from God, from the beginning of creation, actually. God, God infused all of creation with his favor, with his blessing. As you read through the Genesis account, God's creating pieces and parts. And, and it says, God said it was good. He tells the animals, you know, be fruitful and multiply. We see God's blessing, his creativity, his love, his abundance, and beauty throughout all that he had made. In fact, in Genesis 1.28 then, after God had created man and woman, humankind, here's what he says. Or here's what it says. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. He said, man, you are blessed. I want you to have my favor and my acceptance. And I want you to eat, get married, have babies, enjoy the earth. God blessed them in Genesis 1.28. But we know not long after that man and woman succumbed to temptation. They went against God's design. Specifically something God said, do not take part in this. They took part in that. And that's the next little arrow there. There was sin in God's original design. And there were consequences to sin. 
God did not overlook sin. He, in fact, he came down and he addressed the man and the woman and something happened because of their sin. We often talk about this little piece where sin comes in as the fall. All of creation experienced now a brokenness as a result of sin. You know, so what happened? Did, did God remove his blessing from man? Sometimes we refer, in fact, naturally, if we're just thinking in theological terms, you think about the fall, you think, well, then God cursed. God brought a curse, right? So let me ask you a question. What did God curse? Or whom did he curse? So I was just thinking about this as I was typing this up. And I went back to Genesis and I thought, well, God put a curse on man and woman, right? No. Actually, if you read in Genesis, after the fall, after sin came in, God cursed the ground that man would work. God cursed the serpent, that is Satan. But it never says that he cursed the man and the woman. He didn't fully remove his blessing. In fact, what we see is that right after that, though there are consequences to sin, God began to make provision for healing. So that's interesting. God never cursed the man and the woman even after sin. And here's Jesus who has come from God to share the way back to God, to healing and to restoration. And he comes to the people and he says, among the broken, here's what God's intention is. Blessed are you. God wants to bless the broken. And that's the next point that I want us to see together. And the next slide is the second circle. It's brokenness. And here's what I want you to see from Matthew 5. Jesus declared not just God's blessing, but God's blessing to those who are experiencing brokenness. Let's look real quickly back at Matthew 5 here. You don't have to pull the, the words up. Let's, let's think now about this idea of God's blessing in the midst of our brokenness. Because really, this is important. To use the three uh, circles most effectively, the transition to from just a conversation to a spiritual or gospel conversation, this is the doorway. It's the brokenness that people experience in their lives. And we're all experiencing that. And Jesus points out some of the brokenness in the first few verses of Matthew chapter 5 that maybe categorize or encompass a lot of what we still experience today. Let's think about verse 3, for instance. If you've got your Bible open, you can glance down. He talks about the poor in spirit, the spiritually impoverished. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed can be the broken people who are poor in spirit. Poor in spirit is those who are trod down by life. They've been stepped on, overlooked, misused, abused. The poor in spirit are those that have come to a point that in their heart and in their soul, there is just an impoverishment, a feeling of abandonment, powerlessness, maybe even forsakenness, being God-forsaken even. The poor in spirit are those who have come to the point that maybe they believe there is no other help. Probably there is no other help. Almost certainly there is no other help but God himself. 
Have you ever been to that point? Many people come to that point. And I'll tell you, when you get in that lowest point where you feel like there is no help for you unless God directly intervenes, it is so easy to feel like you are actually God forsaken. Can I just tell you a little personal deal here? While I was down with COVID, and, and, and uh, John says I was delirious because he called me this day, but there was, there was a, and I probably was, I was really high fevers and bad shape. I was just laying there, and, and I wasn't just physically sick, though I was that. I'm going to tell you, I had, and it was more than two days, but I know the days it started, and it lasted for, oh, about a week. You know what I felt like? I felt like I had been forsaken by God. I'm just going to be honest. I had a bunch of plans and I had things that got all messed up because of COVID. I was worried about my family. I was worried about having to go to the hospital and all that kind of thing. But I don't know. There was a spiritual turmoil that I went through for about a week. I was angry at God. I felt forsaken by Him. I felt like I was powerless to do anything about this sickness. You know, we all like to have control of our life and, and have steps to take and things to do. And basically what you get to do there is lay there. and hope that God heals. And I don't know, man. I felt like I was just in a spiritual battle. And I had a friend um, who would, was texting me, checking on me and different things. And I just sent him, I said, man, I said, I... I'm kind of in a, I didn't give him all the details, but I'm, I'm not in a good spiritual condition right now. It's a good thing I didn't have to preach that, that Sunday and y'all didn't have to hear me. And he began to send me scriptures every day, little screenshots of scriptures. And I'll, I'll tell you, those truths were so powerful. I, the Lord was using that guy to send me these scriptures that I needed to hear every day, the truths of God's word and the truths of God's love. And that I wasn't forsaken by God. And that God is working out things for good. And there were just different things that God used to, to man, really, really bring hope. But, but I just know this. I know that when we are struggling, we don't feel blessed by God, do we? If we're honest. But that doesn't mean that we're not. That just means that's how we feel. And the enemy uses lies to get us to believe wrong things about God. I love the songs today. I, we, I didn't. I didn't even know, I'm going to be honest, what I was preaching about till last night, okay? So they picked the songs way early in the week. There couldn't have been a better set of songs that just are telling the truths and, and the things that I know that I experience and the things that are in these verses. If you're in Christ, you are blessed. You're loved. You're highly favored. You've been given His Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing your salvation. So many truths. And we just need to be reminded of that. Like that one song. You know, I, I love that song too. Is he worthy? You know, it's got the little words in parentheses. If you don't sing anything else, you can sing those words. That's the response. So there's a question. Does the Father truly love us? He does. But you know, I'll tell you, I didn't feel very loved by the Father in a moment of sickness. But that doesn't change the fact that the Father truly loves us. And we need to be reminded of these things personally. Anyway, I'm going off on a rabbit trail. Let's get back. Poor in spirit. And you can get down in that place for a lot of reasons. And you're not God forsaken. And this says, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. God wants to bring his approval and favor and life and goodness to you even in that state. And then verse 4, those who mourn. 
That's a, that's a place of brokenness. Mourning and grieving and sadness that we all, I suppose, experience. It seems like some people, their lives are marked by more grief and sadness and mourning than others, but we all do experience, whether it's the loss of a loved one, it's a, a cancer diagnosis, it's the loss of something you've worked for, it's an imminent death, it it's, um, can be any number of things. It could be a child who has veered from the faith, and, and you mourn. You mourn. And God wants to bring blessedness in your mourning. Verse 5, the meek, the gentle, and the humble. You know, that maybe that doesn't necessarily sound like a place of brokenness, but I think that what's probably meant here is these are people who don't rely on worldly power and position and external things to try to force their way and to try to press people down, the meek, the gentle, and the humble, these are people, you know what, probably have very little physical strength, economic strength, worldly strength. It's the people who maybe are in the lowest place in society. And Jesus said, blessed. In the middle of that brokenness, where you don't feel worthy, or you don't feel like you fit, oh no, God wants to bring blessing to you. Verse 6, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now there's several ways you could take this, but here's how I take it. These are the people who just, maybe they're not necessarily mourning something in their own life. Maybe they're not at a real place of, of physical brokenness or sickness or something like that. Maybe this is the people who just look out and they go, something, many things are messed up in this world. Society what we're seeing happening in our world today in a hundred different ways, that it's messed up. Maybe this is people that look in their own heart and say, something's broken inside of me. I want to live a good life. I want to have joy. I want to feel fulfilled, but I don't. And I've tried everything that the world has to offer and it leaves me high and dry. They want to know the goodness of God. There's a hunger and a thirst for something better, for something more. And so maybe there is, maybe this is the person that has everything outwardly. Like you could look at their life and you go, that person has it all. And there is just an emptiness. And that's a reality for many, many people. And you wonder, is there anything worth doing or living for in this life. There is. There is the blessing of God he wants to bring into your life. So the, the, there's God, Jesus declaring God's blessedness in all kinds of human brokenness. One writer noted that the first four Beatitudes show that divine approval is available to the one who has humbled themselves before God admits their spiritual poverty, mourns over sin, mourns over oppression, and seeks rest and care and hungers to know the living God. God's blessing is available to those. So listen, hey, if you're here today, maybe you're not even a Christian, you're giving a hearing, let me say, God wants to bring blessing in the midst of your brokenness. Whatever it is, and we don't all have the same kind, and in different stages of life, there is brokenness. But listen to this, folks. Everybody feels this. That is the human condition. 
One of the reasons I love the three circles is it's not just a canned gospel presentation, but it's what I would call contextual, meaning it is meant to be tailored to the felt needs and the brokenness that any individual is experiencing. So as you come across somebody who is down and out, and you can find out, and they're telling you where their brokenness is, then you can come and say, let me, let me share something with you. Let me share with you what the Bible says about these things. I've experienced, maybe that, it's that kind of brokenness, maybe it's something else, but you can go into this at that point of contact. All right? So, let's go to the next thing. As you, people, you encounter people and they are experiencing brokenness of some kind, mourning, grieving, emptiness, Longing for something more. They're just at rock bottom. Maybe it's been drugs, alcohol. Maybe it's a broken marriage. And let me tell you about God's plan. Let me tell you about God's design. And it was thwarted by sin. And that's what you're feeling. But instead of going your own way, we have to trust that God has done something. God, there is good news for you in terms of the blessedness and approval and the hope and the restoration that God brings and it is the gospel. The gospel is the good news of God's blessing that has come to us in Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus to this world to issue an invitation to all who are weary and broken and downcast and abused and forgotten, who are weary and heavy laden and oppressed. Yes, there is such a thing as injustice and oppression in society. And there is sickness. And there is sin sickness. There is guilt because of the things that we've done. And God sent Jesus to deal with that. And when Jesus came, he went to a cross. And the Bible says that God laid the sins and the iniquities of us all on him. So that by his death, we could have life. By his stripes, we could be healed. Jesus came as our sacrifice. That's the gospel. And, and Jesus died on the cross, and God raised him from the dead as a promise of life to all who would believe. But that gospel, next piece is, we must respond. There is a personal response. Just like we deviated from God's plan by our choice, so now, by our choice, we must turn back to God and believe the good news of Jesus. Repent and believe. Believe that Jesus is the perfect Son of God who is the sacrifice for your sin, and He is the only way to be saved. We must respond. The third thing that I want to point out to you in Matthew chapter 5 is that Jesus identifies the blessings of those who now recover and pursue God's design. That's the last piece of the three circles. Jesus identifies the blessings of recovering and pursuing God's design. So once you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved, you don't continue to deviate from God's design, but instead you realize that the blessing is found there with God. And you turn to that and you learn about it and you pursue it 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you this now in the Beatitudes. There is a break. I don't know if you see it there as you're reading. There's a break somewhere. I'm going to say it's between verses 6 and 7. At verse 7, there is a shift, and it begins really a second set of Beatitudes that describe the way of life that is recovering and pursuing God's design. It is the life that God intends for us. It is the life where he brings naturally his blessing. Blessedness comes, Jesus said, from recovering and pursuing God's design. God invites us into that. Not the world's way, but God's way. And so let's look briefly at some of those and what it means to recover and pursue God's design. Verse 7 through 11. The first one is merciful. Blessed are the merciful. So instead of pursuing a life of not caring about people, selfishness, and stepping on people, we now pursue a life of compassion and extending mercy and help to others. Caring about the wounds and the hurts and the needs of others. Acting on the compassion that God infuses in our hearts when we become believers. So it's a merciful life, a life of compassion. Second, blessed are the pure in heart. Listen, Christianity is not just about a set of rules and outward things, checking a bunch of boxes outwardly. It's a change inwardly. We're to become a new creation. But listen, though we become a new creation, there is this sanctifying work. It is we continue, we mess up, we repent. We believe we go a different way. But he says, blessed are the pure in heart. That is not just trying to live a life of outward good works, but really cultivating the heart of God. The wise person keeps watch over their heart. I tell you, in my little low state of affairs there, I, it would have been really easy to say, man, I'm a preacher. I can't be talking about having spiritual battles and the things I'm facing. And, uh, but I'll tell you one thing I've learned is you better expose that stuff and bring light into it when it comes in your heart. Because if you bury it, it's just going to fester and grow. And so that's why I shared first with that guy over a text. And he began to minister to me. And, and that's why I'm sharing it with you. It's just to say, man, our hearts get messed up. I could have buried that and come and, and probably printed a sermon off the internet and because uh, you know I probably wasn't going to come up with a very good one or something like that. Could have tried to fool you. But here's what I knew. And that is a dead end path. I better, I better seek help for what's going on in my heart and the lies that I'm embracing. But anyway, blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, cultivating a Godward heart, a life of integrity, keeping watch over the inner person. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. Be a reconciler. Not a divider, not a hater. Be a lover. <laughs> Live with humility, not hostility towards others. That's God's way. I tell you, we were, the Bible says actually, in, when we're lost and in our sin, we are rebels. We are against God. We are his enemies. And you know what he does? He shows grace and kindness to his enemies. He comes and sends Jesus to be a reconciler to bring peace. And we need to be peacemakers. We need to pursue that. Then he says, blessed are those who endure persecution for righteousness sake. 
oh, this is where, I mean, peace and love, that sounds great. Compassion, be nice, be kind. I love that. I mean, I mean, that's good stuff. And now he goes, and you're going to be slandered and insulted and persecuted and hated for being righteous and for following Jesus. And you're like, man, that's not so cool. That's not so cool. But we have to endure in following Christ. We have to learn to stand up under persecution and keep on following. Recovering and pursuing God's design means we're able to endure in the face of hardship. It's not all easy, but Jesus calls us to this blessedness. And I'm going to close with verse 12. Look at what he says. Rejoice and be glad. Even when people are insulting you and persecuting you and doing those things, when you face hardship for doing the right thing, and you will, he says, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. This world is not all that there is. This life is not all that there is. There is a life hereafter. The Bible speaks about heaven and about hell. And about an eternity. This life, listen folks, is where we will choose. And it will become like set in concrete. The moment we die, the opportunities are over to choose whether we'll be reconciled to God or we'll be separated from Him eternally. If we're reconciled to God... We can face hardship in this life. We realize that there is brokenness. All is not going to be perfect here. But listen, there is coming a day when God is going to make all things new. Perfectly restore everything. His design one day will be fully recovered and known. And those who have come to Christ, received His grace and forgiveness, and gotten on that path back to God's design, there is coming a day when all things will be made new. That's what that song reminded us of today. Right now, this world is broken, folks. There is the curse of God on the ground, on the serpent. God is seeking to bring his blessing to mankind. But the brokenness we feel, Romans 8 is a great, if you want a little, little chapter to read about, read Romans 8. It's a great explanation of some good gospel truths. But here's what it says. All of creation in this world are groaning in travail and futility. And it's like a pregnant woman who is giving birth. Those birth pains are growing and growing and growing. And I'll tell you what that is. That is God's mercy pointing us and saying there is something better. This will not go on forever. God is going to make all things new. Creation is experiencing the sufferings of travail and futility that sin has subjected it to. But here's what Romans 8 says. The Christian operates with a knowledge and a hope that the creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption and into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So when you come to the gospel and you're saved, all of a sudden, and you understand what is coming, there is a perfect restoration coming. And as you recover and pursue God's design, you can be filled with hope in the knowledge. God's design will be known and restored for all eternity. Folks, this is the story of us. 
This is the story of life. This is the story of our world and of eternity. And we need to know that story. And there are, man, we could spend a thousand years talking about the glory of the gospel. This is one way to succinctly and graphically, and I think in a very relatable way, talk about the gospel. And we have been given the privilege to know Jesus and to make him known. Is all creation groaning? It is. Are people suffering and without hope and broken apart from Christ? Feeling God forsaken and cursed? They are. And we have this message. Yes, in fragile jars of clay and pottery. We're not perfect. We're broken. But we've been restored by the grace of God. By Jesus Christ. Folks, we have got to become equipped. And we've got to... I'll tell you one of the other things in that survey. We all know this. It's fearful to share the gospel, is it not? We fear rejection. We fear being called a religious zealot. We fear being called a hypocrite because we're not perfect. We fear those things. But we need not fear. I think a lot of the fear we conjure up on our own minds because we forget that people are hurting and we have the message of hope. Will people reject and insult us? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So what? So what? We've got to become equipped. And so I would encourage you to take this, you know, and maybe you already share the gospel with people routinely, but I would encourage you, look up on the internet some Three Circles resources. There's little five and ten minute videos about the different pieces. We're going to continue to do more training on this in our church as time goes by, offering little classes, short-term things. But I'll I'll tell you something. The little class we're doing on Sunday nights, the very first week we delved into this, we said, okay, Now go do it. Look for opportunities. Pray for opportunities and just share. And you know what the folks have been doing? Sharing. Let me me give you a a little, um, this is a good piece of preacherly advice. Practice on somebody. Go home today or this week. Go to dinner with somebody. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe share it with your kid. and, And share this. Can I share something with you? that we're talking about in church? That's, that's all you got to say. Can I share something with you that's been meaningful to me? It could be a Christian. It could be someone you're not sure about. It could be a lost person. I'll tell you what. How many of y'all can draw a circle? How many of you can draw three circles? Yeah, you can do it. You can learn this. And now I will say, let me encourage you. Get the app. Get the app. I didn't want you to do that today, but now I want you to do it. I want you to get the app, and it's it's this right here. And you can swipe through it. How many of y'all can do this? And you can read it. It's really simple. But I'll tell you what, I, I probably wouldn't dive deep into the shark tank the first time through it, you know. 
but share it with somebody. Talk about it in your car. Talk to yourself. Record yourself. Take a selfie video of you doing it and review it. However you want to do it, practice this. Folks, let me just say, this is serious stuff. People need Jesus. They need hope and they need eternal life, just like we did. And so we've been given this message. So let me just, the best way I know how, let me encourage you today. Latch onto this tool right here. It's very effective. It's very conversational. And it hits people right where they live. It brings the gospel right into their zip code and into their front door and into their hearts. All right. Thanks for your attention. I know I was a little teachy slash preachy. But man, this is good stuff. And I, I, I don't want to just do this stuff in small groups because I don't know that we're going to catch everybody. You can do this. If you think you could draw three circles and, and talk through, not the whole 30-minute sermon, but like a five-minute deal, if you think, like, that's doable, let me see your hand. Do, do this right here. All right, we've got to work on confidence next week. All right? <laughs> you can do it. Practice it with somebody this week. And let me just go ahead and warn you, you're going to mess it up. You're going to say, well, what was the whole deal about the squiggly lines? And then and, and you go, oh, okay, oh yeah, oh yeah. So practice it. All right, that's enough of that. Let me, let me pray for us. We're going to be dismissed. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your willingness to participate and, and draw the circles and think about doing these things. Now, let's go from this place. Let's practice this. Let's become equipped. Father, I pray that you would help us because we are fearful of the unknown. We don't have the confidence that we probably might have or should have. We're, we're right here and we, we love you and we know you. And we believe in the gospel. But somewhere along the way, we get short-circuited. And we believe lies. Or we don't feel adequate. Lord, equip us to be like the early church who just, just told the truth about Jesus to the people who needed it. Help us in our day to be messengers of this good news and of light. Give us the confidence, the boldness, the courage, and the accuracy to speak about Jesus, about his death, and about his resurrection. Lord, I pray that your spirit would go before us. For those who even now, in this time of commitment, have raised their hands and they said, I can do this. I pray that you would go before them and and put people in their paths that maybe you would have them to share this with. Lord, I pray that we would hear stories of what you've done because we've been faithful to share the gospel. We pray these things in Jesus' name.